The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast via BBC Sounds. This week, Tom Cole is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from apple trees, climbing roses and, yes, roots. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden, plus plant of the week. We go straight to your calls and this week we start with Eve from Harlow. What's up in your garden? It's roots. I'm just wondering, um, you know, when the roots are looking for water and they usually come out, don't they, spread out, yeah. looking for water, what happens when the rain comes? Do they dig themselves back in or what? Got any idea? What sort of plant? What give give us what you're talking about? Sort of plants? Ivy, um, mainly ivy. Ivies, and these are growing up your fence and everywhere, are they? Uh, well, yes. The um, I've got a hedge. You know, it's a hedge. I've had mm. it recently cut, but um, I noticed during the summer it's been. But you know, you could see the grass lawn um, sort of move, not moving, but you've got sort of little gaps in the lawn. Yeah. You see, it's quite interesting because um, <clears throat> it, it's, it comes up with buying plants, doesn't it? When you buy plants, Tom, and most plants that you buy today, larger container plants, are uh, watered from the top, aren't they? Which actually, a lot of it encourages top growth, doesn't it? The roots will then rise. So when you've got a dry summer, if you water your plants, the, the roots will come up higher, won't they? They will do. They'll search out for wherever that water is. But the ivy, um, <clears throat> what, the funny thing with an ivy is that these, the ivy obviously produces roots all the way along its stems it as well. And those stems uh, will then take on a sort of woodiness above the ground and they also develop roots. So the roots are sort of surface-like, but they've got a very deep root. They've got a fairly deep root system as well. So... In, in terms of what will happen to the plant, it, it searches down where the water is at whatever time of the year. So if it, it rains a lot, the roots will then send leader roots down to get to the water, basically. They will do, yes. On most plants that produce those sort of tap-like roots. So does that help you, Eve? Yes, thank you. Yes. OK. So that's Bye. an in interesting question from Eve. And we go to Pat from Brightlingsea. Pat, what have you got for us today? Good morning. Well, I was cutting down bushes in my front garden and I've cut one that was thick prickles. But as I've got it down towards the base, the big orange fruits, like, they look like lemons or apples, but they're not on a stem. They're growing round the twig, round, actually on the wood. Yeah. And I've asked several people, gardeners in the area, and no one knows what they are. I'm worried if they it's... are actually poisonous. How, how, you... big are, how big are the fruits? Oh, they've got big. They're like a big apple now, some of them. Right. It's, one it... was like a big lemon and it had pitted skin. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, and it's on a bush-type plant or a tree. It's on a bush, bush. I think. You're right. So it, sounds... it got really high and I it's, cut uh... it down. It yeah. sounds like a Japanese quince. I found it's... these fruits. Sounds, sounds like a Japanese quince. 
Which um, proper which name is, is Prickles on. That, it, yes, they that's do, the one. actually. They do. Um, <clears throat> produces wonderful flowers in the spring. Pink, yeah, white or red. on it now at the moment. Well, some of them are, actually. Yeah. Um, but they tend to flower a bit later on. It's um, Shenomalies, Yeah, Shenomalies. Shenomalies is its... its Shenomalies, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is the uh, Japanese quince, or one of the sort of... New, the ornamental quinces. You can actually cook with those. You can make jellies and jams out of those still. Oh. Oh, um, I was but a bit you wouldn't. Wa- no, 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 they're not. Uh, and, they're but not. I wouldn't want to put one of those in my mouth and eat it because you'd end up breaking all your teeth. I think. No. Well, <laughs> okay. the gardener I've got, he took one and cut it in half, and it looked like an apple with a. Well, core, that's because you know. it it does look like an apple, and it's sometimes yeah. called a quince, but it is not a quince. It's not a true quince. Not a true no. quince. What it, did I'm it smell lovely? Right. When does it smell it. nice? Pardon? Does it smell lovely? No, not really. Oh, well, usually there's a slight hint of scent to them. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, oh, that's, right. that's what you, you got. Okay? Shenomenes. Remember that, Shenomenes. Japanese <laughs> Japanese quids. They are. And, uh, God, I should have known that. Um, let's go <laughs> Mick in Braintree. Hello, Mick. We're talking raspberries, aren't we, Mick? Yeah, Ken. It's the first year I've ever grown them, yeah? Now, do you cut them right back, and when do you do it, or you don't? What, right. What? <laughs> well, before right before we go to Tom, who's great on raspberries because he loves raspberries, are they um, are they fr- summer fruiting raspberries? Were they? Yeah, yeah, right. Summer fruiting raspberries. What would you do with them now? Well, I'm just going to ask you to describe the plant to me. It's, obviously, you've had limbs where you've picked the fruit off. Yeah, yeah, they're very and prickly, the, uh, the uh, stems and that. They can be a little bit like that. And have you got stems which have had no flowers of fruit on this year? Yeah, yeah. Right, so you've you described the classic summer fruiting raspberry plant. Now that you've finished harvesting, those stems you took the fruit from, you can cut those stems right to the ground. Oh, right, yeah. You okay. could just leave, leave, leave a bit of a stub, like an inch, just above ground. Yeah. The ones that are left are the ones you need to tie into a support system. Have you got a sort of wire system or a trellis or...? No, I've just got some sticks in the ground. OK. I mean, are they growing near a fence? Well, the, the ones I'm talking are they growing in the greenhouse. Oh. Oh, OK. I mean, one the... planting in the greenhouse and the other one's out in the open. Well, the one that's out in the open, I didn't get no fruit off that at all this year. But the one in the greenhouse went mad. Right, well, what, the most important thing is that what Tom was saying is you see that you don't cut the wrong canes down because that way you won't get fruit, will you, Tom? Yeah, so leave all the green shoots there. Um, yeah. That's that's interesting, actually, you've got it in the side. I mean, it will be perfectly fine outside. Yeah, well, I never planted them before, so, so I put them both out in the greenhouse. I, I put them both... to Ken early in the year... And he was surprised that I lived in the greenhouse, so I took one out of the greenhouse and stuck it outside. It's grown all right, and they ain't not, you know, it's about, I suppose, four foot high, but I ain't had no fruit on the other one outside. Well, I think those limbs you've got there now will give you flowers and fruit next year. So leave yeah. well alone on that one. Definitely, yeah. But I, put, I would put the other one out as well. But because they're summer fruiting, you need to have more than just canes supporting them. So if they were near a fence or something like that, you could string wire across the fence and tie those limbs to it yeah. leaving about a fist gap between each of the limbs okay i was going to put trellises up outside for one that'll be well that's okay if you've got those that'd be absolutely fine it's something you can tie it to okay, okay. all right thanks very much that's a pleasure I and mean, i'm going to go to jim in leon c because we're also talking raspberries aren't we jim 
Oh, that's right. Um, I've got autumn fruit in raspberries, yeah. but I want to move them because they're, they've got uh, overgrown, neglected. I've prepared a bed for them. Lovely. I want to know any. Uh, I want to do it probably after Christmas. But any do's and don'ts, please. Um, they're perfectly fine to move from any, now on. Really, any time really in the next few weeks through to February in the just before spring, really. Um, what you could do, um, if it's manageable, if they, if they break apart a little, you, you can could. give yourselves ind- more individualised plants and put those down the road so you can increase your stock yeah. that way. And because they're autumn, I would then cut them all down. Well, about uh, six inches, something like that. Well, you go short of that. I'd leave just about an inch above ground. Oh, an inch above ground. And, okay, and, well, thanks very much indeed. That's Lovely. all right. That's Jim on Leon's... Jim in Lee on Sea, and we go to Sheila, and she's in Eastwood, aren't you, Sheila? Hello, yes, I am, um, Ken, thank you very much. I'd like to know when I can move a dwarf apple tree. It's a golden delicious. We've had it in a pot for about three years, four Mm -hmm. years maybe. Uh, I'd like to put it in the garden now, and what time of the year do I do it? I always think, I must just mention Golden Delicious because I've got a bit of a thing about Golden Delicious because if you go back quite a few years, Golden Delicious appeared in supermarkets and everybody was fairly rude about them because they were tasteless, weren't they? And they were grown in warm countries, fed lots of water and tasted like nothing. But those grown in the UK... They're brilliant. They are fantastic. And I'm sure you find that, Sheila, don't you? Yes, but only thing is, the apple is only about the size of a, what, two pence piece, and I've got about 40 apples on this little tree. Ah, you should have thinned them. Tom oh. was Tom was giving that advice earlier in the year, weren't I you, Tom? Was, yes. Ah. Well, you could do that for next year. That's, yes. That, so if you get a, any cluster of fruit, you've got three so or five fruitlets. Now, can I move this apple tree out of its pot and put it in the garden? Well, it's, right. it, it, mm, it's in a pot. Yes. In... In theory, actually, you can put that straight in the ground. My worry is, wait. it's a bit. It's even though we had that rain, it's still a bit dry. I give it, and I'd sort of wait until around about October, November. Yeah, October, November. Oh, yeah, then fine. you can ex- and actually, it'd be easier for you to dig that soil as well by then, hopefully. hopefully. Yeah. And then you can put the plant into the into the into the ground, no deeper than it is at the moment. So you don't oh, want okay. to really submerge that like stem. A little nodule where it's grafted on. That's it. And then June next year, when you get your fruit on there, if you've got clusters, thin out say five fruitlets down to about two or three. Okay. And then you'll get all that energy going into the remaining fruit, and you'll, you that should respond by giving you a better bigger. quality of plant, yeah. Okay, that's lovely. So October time to move it. End of October. That's lovely. Thank you very much indeed. That's, okay. that's a pleasure, that's Sheila. And that was Sheila, I think, yes. And now I'm going to Dorothy. Is it Dorothy? That's from correct. From yeah. Tosh and Darcy, yeah? That's right, yes. What well, would... You about my geranium? Yes. What would you like to know? These are are these the summer flowering bedding type geranium? Yes, that's right. Okay. We've lifted them all, and um, we've put all our daffodils in, <laughs> and hence why we've lifted them. And now I'm stripping them down this morning. But I want to know how to overwinter them, so that I could take cutties perhaps in the spring. Right, so you've dealt, when did you lift them out? Oh, this week. This week. So you've got them, are they in soil or are they just... In lo- soil. You've got them still in soil? Yes, I'm just sorting them out now. And How would you, what would you do with them, Tom? 
there's lots of ways of doing there it, really. Are, but yeah. the one way that I seem to have a bit of success with is I've potted them up after removing them from the pot or the container outside. I've actually put them into uh, an unheated greenhouse, but check them when we've had some severe frost and used something like a fleece, horticultural fleece over the top of them. If you're a little bit worried about that, then if you've got a windowsill at home, but it's it's not it's it's sort of one of your coolest rooms maybe a north facing window that would also work put them in there just keep them ticking over a little bit of water like once every few weeks or so because these plants are quite succulent they can cope with actually oh. going going without water for a long time and then february march time pot it up cut them down hard that generates lots of new growth which will then give you growth you can take cuttings your software cuttings in march april is that all right dorothy yes that's fine i've got a green in the house so i'll be able to do that and then when the frosts come i'll cover them with fleece. yes that's right that'll work that sounds good to me. Let's look now at plant of the week. And I'm going to go for wallflowers because it's very topical at this time of the year. Uh, they're part of the brassica family. And if you don't know what a brassica family is, it's the cabbage family. doesn't make it very interesting, does it? Anyway, there's 150 different species in that family, herbaceous and biennials. How does it grow? Well, it's got upright stems, leaves are quite linear, and the flowers, well, they're bright, they're yellows, they're reds, they're oranges and even white. And often scented, not forgetting pink and bilateral flowers. Generally, they flower from late spring into early summer. Where have they come from? Well, they're actually a native of Southwest Asia, the Mediterranean, North America and even Costa Rica. But the one we use in our garden is Rhizium sherry. That's where it's come from. It's best known as a biennial. It is really best grown as a biennial as well. But many people leave them in to self-seed and then they just come back. I've got a customer, actually, that's got a whole bed of them and they come up every year. And you leave them. It's a massive bed. It's about eight foot long and nine foot wide. It's huge, covered in a mass of flower. Looks fairly boring at the rest of the time of the year because she doesn't cut them off and they just grow. Anyway... Let's move on from that, because that isn't how I grow them. I grow them as a biennial. You can buy them at this time of the year, grown or pulled even, sometimes in bundles. Get them in the ground as soon as you've got them home. They flower them from April through to June. They like a sunny position anywhere, really, but not north-facing. Needs well-drained, not waterlogged soil, because if not, the leaves will go yellow and drop off, and they look horrible. What do they suffer with? Well, they're in the cabbage family. They can suffer with club root, slugs and snails and flea beetle. Uh, the thing I like about wallflowers is a bed of, say, bright red wallflowers with a nice upright tulip through them. You could have a yellow tulip. You could have a pink tulip. You could have orange, uh, orange um, bedder, which is a wallflower, and then put a yellow through that or even a multicoloured tulip. I tell you what... The ideas of mixed colours are endless. You can put mixed wallflower in, but I tell you what, you don't get that impact if you're planting tulips through them. Go on, go out and buy some wallflowers. Where should we go? I think we'll go talking roses, shall we? With Mary Wivenhoe. What would you like to know about your rose, Mary? Well, I bought a rose about 25 years ago, yeah. and it was white. Mm -hmm. And this year, 
it's turned out um, red, bright red. Bright red. I don't know why. Right. Could you could you just turn your radio off for me because we're getting what they call howl round and it's it's doesn't sound very good. Yes. Right. Thank you, Mary. Um, a red flower on what was a white flowering rose. What is now? My question would be: Is the red flower a large type rose, red rose? No, it's the same sort of rose, but it's red. It's the same. Well, it's and what is? Pink. And what is the rose look like? Is it a singular type petaled rose, or is it a? Yes, a single rose. So what I'm thinking, could it be a... No, I, I think... I mean, there's, you, know, he, there's... you know where I'm going and you're not going there, right? No, I'm not going to go there, Ken. No. <laughs> uh, are you thinking about rootstocks and things like that? Yeah. I don't think it's that, because if the flower looks the same as the other one, mm. it should have been, but it's just the fact it's a change of colour. Now, it could be... There was uh, a couple of thoughts that could be through... Uh, some form of impact on what's happening outside and around it uh, that may have caused something like a, an odd mutation, yeah, uh, which has, has impacted on the colour yeah. of flower. It's nothing that you are doing to that rose. I wouldn't, I wouldn't guess. I mean, you're feeding yeah. it. Are you? Do you actually do you feed it once a year or? Well, for, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but it's in the ground. It's done. It's done very well for the last twenty five no, years. I was oh, in a pot. It's in a pot. It. it, it and you and you're watering on a on a, when do you when do you tend to water? In the in the evenings. Yeah, it, 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 everything sounds everything right. right I think it's just an anomaly, and oh. I I don't think that would be in the same place next year. I want oh. I want Mary to ring us next June <laughs> and tell us yeah. whether the rose. <laughs> It's what colour? Yeah. And is, yeah. it, yes. is, it, um, is it a modern bush rose or is it a sort of what I would call something like a, a species type rose, like Rosa Ragosa is a species rose? Whereas I don't might, know. Um, I can't remember. It was so long ago I put it in. Do you, and do you, pr I mean, do you, pr I'm asking you lots of questions here. Do you prune sort of harshly in the spring or do you just trim it? I trim it. Okay. And it tends to, and it, does it have anything like hips or anything like that that you also enjoy looking at? No. No. So no, it, I don't. It, it, and are they a small flower? Yes. How small? Size of tempe or? Well, yeah, um, yes, about the size of it. Yeah. Sounds like a patio. It yeah. Could, yeah, it could be a patio type. Now, some of the patios have they a pinkish change. tint. Yes, I think it was a patio rose. Some of, the, of some of the patio ones will go from a white into a pinkish tinge. But, white, but, but whites are red. Is but it red, red or pink? Red. Well, a pinky red, you know, a deep... Deep pink. Well, fairly yeah. deep, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, it's novel, we're yeah. interested. Can you let us know next year, Mary? Yes, I'll try. I'll but try there is no, I think as there's, Tom has there's, said... There's nothing underlying, there's no issues in no. terms of what you're doing or anything else is happening. Uh, the plant is just responding to its conditions. Now we're talking figs with Jean in Gallywood, aren't we, Jean? Hello. Hello, Ken. Yes, uh, what yes, would you like so to know? I've got a small fig tree that I've had in a pot um, for a while. Mm -hmm. um, it has been repotted and whatever, but... Um, Every year, um, I get quite a few figs on it, but about this time, they all drop off. They don't uh, hang on to mature, you know, to the next... Um, I think they take two years. Yeah, it depends. It's funny, actually, because um, somebody's garden that I actually had a lovely crop of figs from the, the client's figs last year, 
This year, uh, the maturing ones were less, and I've noticed on their fig tree, they're all the size of a fat thumb, if not bigger, and they've started to drop. And, of course, they won't coat through the season, will they, Tom? No. They've got no. to be the size of your little nail pretty well haven't they to get through yeah to I get mean, through the winter so i don't think it's anything unusual that they're dropping off if they're big no i think it's been an interesting year though and last mm. year was an interesting year for plants particularly in the summer uh and you're sort of for it you know forever having to water and they do benefit from a feed particularly in a pot yeah uh to just assist and something like a tomato based feed but watering on a more regular basis than you would do normally and sometimes that that's sudden drop in fruit is often because we we might have missed the watering. It might mm. be erratic watering, or it's overly dried out very quickly. So the plant sheds what it doesn't need to have to deal with, and it will shed larger fruit than smaller fruit. Yeah. Jean, right. is that is that what um, it's doing? Is it leaving well, it, some it's little done ones every year? And uh, somebody said to me this year, "Oh, perhaps you've let it just get too dry." That's right. So I did try and keep uh, making sure that it was watered regularly. I think inevitably there might have been one or two sort of dry patches. Mm. But, um, you know, I've, I have kept it more watered than I usually do. And uh, I had the, the odd one or two uh, dropping, but uh, I've noticed now um, they do seem to be dropping. And how big How big are they? Are they tiny um, ones or not? No, they're bigger than I've had before, actually. Yes, it will. They're the, they're the size of a... Um, well, certainly bigger than the, um, the the thumb that you were just uh, yeah. talking about. But um, but they will drop yeah. off, I think. They will drop off. They'll drop off. If they're not <clears> dropping <throat> off now, they'll drop off through the winter, those ones. And the ones that you've got on that are tiny are the ones that will mature for next year. Right. So it's OK to leave it outside. Um, yep. Oh, don't take it in. No, 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 absolutely. It's a very, it's a hardy, hardy plant. Um, in the really, really worst winters, you might get some dye back on the limbs. And actually, just to protect your pot, you might want to lag the pot. Um, but apart from that, they're really hardy plants. Okay, so just a question of regular watering, really. Yeah, just so... look at look at your watering and the pot... Stand it. You could stand it in the summer period in a, in a in, dish. In a, in a dish or a saucer, couldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, OK, yes, that's an idea. All right, Jean. OK, see how we go. And uh, keep in touch over the spring and see that those small uh, small figs are actually coming to maturity because that is, is really what it's about. We go to Maureen in St. Joseph. Hello, we're talking roses, aren't we, Maureen? Yes, did you get my email I sent you of the picture of the rose with the buds coming out of the rose itself? Uh, when did you send that to me? Um, last Saturday, last when you said to me send a picture, I sent the picture straight away after the show. Oh, I see. The buds coming out of the rose. And did it come in with your name on it, Rosebush, Robert Billington? Was that yeah, it? No, that's it. Right, we'll have a look. And what was what were we I've, last week? What was I talk? What were we talking about? So oh, the centres. Yes, the centres, Tom. Yes. Oh, that looks right. That looks that's very interesting. You got a lovely, <laughs> which is what we say. Yeah, it's a lovely double double flower. So it, what would you call that? Call that color maroon or maroony plum? red? A very rich red. And what the I remember the remember now. And what you said is that there are more flower buds coming from yeah, the, the centre. And, and they're, I, they're all doing 
doing that. Yeah, and we couldn't quite work out what you were saying, so we've actually got you to send a picture, and thank you very much for sending that, because it makes it much clearer to us, doesn't it? I, looks I like don't it, know the name of the rose either. Not important. for me, and I don't know the name. So what, what she's consistent confused about is why it's producing separate buds all the way through the centre because they are they're flower buds they are it looks like it's mutate it's it mutating. is a mutation isn't it um now there's a lot of that this year yeah you know? it is i mean it's unlikely that would happen again next year and you will be pruning it at some point and i'm just want to have a look at that picture again oh, so i can just see it, it yeah. um but it looks very bushy so it looks like it's all been flowering on fairly new growth so come the spring yes come the spring you can actually take off the old flower heads and bring the plant down so you could cut that down to about six half i take half it away now, that would actually give it a chance to put new growth on, and hopefully next year you'll get flowers which look very much like the other flowers, which are look like a conventional double rose bloom. But it's very in, interesting, interesting to look at, yeah. It is interesting, yeah. <laughs> I'd be quite intrigued, actually, if it... Um, so once that flower dies and the other flowers, in, are they, if they emerge... Are they emerging and opening, those centres? They, they started to, yeah. Can you keep us in touch? And if they do all open, can you send us a picture? Because we'd love to discuss that. Yeah? Yeah, I will do. Thanks. Thank you very much indeed. That's really, really great. That's it's an interesting one. And it is nice to hear from people, you know, where we've talked about it, but we actually haven't ended up with the with the pictures that sort of uh, clarify. There, there's it? a few other things. When 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 stems fuse together, yeah, you get fasciation. That's right. Which there are loads of things that could be. But one of the things is it might be viral. It might be bacterial, but it's more likely to be uh, environmental and, and, and that gives a plant a mutation and it often doesn't happen in the same area again we've got brian from loughton hello brian good morning to both of you i wonder if you can help me ken um i've got i've got a medium-sized pond with grasses in there mm-hmm. and i'm i'm giving them to somebody who's got a small lake now each year and that i'll cut them down and that just below above the water level and that yeah. they're in baskets and that if they're going in the lake, can, can they come out of them baskets so they would spread? Yes, or they... Or leave them in there? No, I'd take them either, out. Either or. They're better out, and they'd be better if it's a lake. You'd be better to possibly uh, hold them down with some... onto the onto just within the water line, but hold them down with something, because if not, they might float. Might just, might yeah, they, they might do, actually. So you might need... Um, like a brick or... A brick or... Old slab. Something like that, just to hold them in, and then they'll spread through the edge of the bank. Lovely. Does that make sense to you, Brian? Yes, it does, and thank you for your help. That's all right, Brian. That's what we're here for. OK? Bye. Bye-bye Bye-bye there. They are interesting, you see. It's nice to move plants on. It is. Give them away. Yeah, that number to call is 0800 4041. We have a line free for you. And we're going to be talking... Well, we're back to roses again. We're talking climbing roses this time with Treasure. Hello, Treasure in Stebbing. Hello, gang. Haven't Um, talked to you for a little while, Treasure, have we? No, no, but I listen in every week. Good, that's what I like to hear. Try not to inundate you. I have got a Dublin Bay climbing rose. In fact, I've got two. Mm -hmm. They come up each side of an archway, and they did originally meet in the middle. But that heavy heavy rain and wind we've had has broken the arch. So I've cut them down a little bit. Um, One of them doesn't look too healthy. 
And I know you say don't plant one rose where another one has been, but can I put another Dublin Bay in? Uh, when you say it's not doing so well, what what do you mean? Are the leaves going brown and are yellowing and then browning no, it, and dying off? It's gone all sort of leggy. Well, and very if, thin. Um, the, oh, but, the little branches that are coming off are very thin and spindly. Okay. Do, how how long, how old is it? Did you say? About twenty five years. Could be past its sell-by date, but on the other hand, I'd cut it down. I wouldn't take it out, would you? No, I'd probably reduce... If you want to really invigorate it, uh, yeah, don't cut it down to do that. You want to sort of cut it down by about a, a third to yeah. a half, and the limbs that are left, tie those into the framework that you've got them growing up in the hope that they actually reshoot from the bud that's at the tip of the new cut and the bud just below it. So you sh you're, you're going to try and force it into growth, but... Don't, whatever you do, really cut it hard to the ground because often that will, if it's particularly a grafted form, it'll actually just have the graft, the, the rootstock coming out and you'll lose your cultivar. So cut it down by about half, tie in, and in the spring, you can do that now, and then in the spring, a good, strong feed with high potash in would be brilliant. It's still in beautiful bloom at the moment. OK, so enjoy the blooms now. Once they fade it, because you can prune these roses really any time now. I mean, most people tend to do them around early spring. Mm. We tend to do them really any time from now onwards. So um, you can but the wood looks, you know, it, it's all gnarled and sort of deady. Well, you know, it looks really, really old. Can I cut I, into that? Yes. Uh, you can, actually. You, I wouldn't want to be cutting all <clears throat> of it into that, though. But you can definitely take one or two limbs out. And I think you'd be shocked how you can cut into a piece of rosewood that can't, could be, I've done it in the past, two inches across. Yeah, they do You shoot. cut it and they'll shoot. It's absolutely amazing. Oh, God. Can I do the same with hedge rosing, then? A hedge what? Sorry? Hedge rose, ruga, whatever you call it. Oh, Rosa like, rugosa. Like the dog, uh, uh, like the dog, the dog rose. Yeah. Uh, um, yes, you can, actually, but yeah. it's, I mean, it's a vicious plant, that one. Uh, <laughs> I usually trim it with a hedge trimmer. <laughs> about seven foot high. <laughs> yeah. Do, are they leggy at the bottom, then? Yes. The answer is yes, you can cut some of the stem. I would cut half the stems down and yeah. then pull them out and you'll get new growth from the base. You will do. Sounds like I'm going to be busy. You are. I, you are indeed. <laughs> Very busy indeed. Okay. Thanks for We'll be back to your gardening questions in just a little while, but now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Tom Cole has got some tips for us this week. Well, this is the month, this is the season, to be putting in your spring flowering bulbs. Or corms, That's or if rhizomes. You, if you can dig the ground. That's if you can. And I tried it the other day, actually. It's not too bad. It's getting um, better, isn't it? But some of the clay-based soils, you are going to struggle at the moment. So, you know, I think I'd wait a little bit, two or three more weeks at least. We want to have the, the rain that we've just had a little bit more. But I'm planting things up like snowdrops yep. for January colour, and maybe a little bit of February. Winter aconites for January, February. They're lovely, aren't they? Absolutely marvellous. Irises, some of the reticulata types, very short, very small, vivid blues and purple and mauves and whites and creams. They're lovely in, in containers as well, aren't they? Very, very good in containers. Um, some of the dwarf daffodils, like minnow, tater-tate, uh, very good. So be a bit careful when you're looking at those for containers. They're great for containers, but Carlton would not be a good one for a small container because it's about tall. two and a half foot tall. Uh, and things like crocus, they're always a bargain. And you know one of the things I think has been really, really good this year, and that's a little tuba of the cyclamen comb and cyclamen heterofolium, which is got that lovely marbled ivy-like leaf. They've been flowering for a month and a half. 
and they will keep on flowering all the way through to spring. And you can buy those now growing, can't you? Yeah, in good old uh, sort of uh, sort of nine centimeter type yeah. pots. Um, don't you need to tease anything out? Just put them in. They like to have uh, something underneath the shade of um, like a deciduous tree, like a beech tree mm. or a deciduous shrub. Just come into the canopy a little bit more, so that when they've lost their leaves, it's winter. The the cyclamen stands out, but then they have a little bit of respite over the summer months. Somehow. And I mustn't forget tulips. Gosh, oh, tulips. You but nearly tulips, forgot. Tulips oh. are November time. That's when I plant tulips <laughs> deep. But they do give a fantastic show in the spring. They do. And I suppose also at this time of the year, well, we're just enjoying the last throes of summer. Mm. But your tender plants, you might want to start thinking about. Not totally rushing out there but if you've got things like chocolate uh cosmos it's a tender perennial it doesn't always get through a lot of people treat it like an annual so if you really really want to keep that particular plant i might want to lift it and pot it and just put it in the cold greenhouse take some cuttings if you can some software cuttings uh but things like um uh, looking at things like your bananas and things like that you've got a little bit more time but think. start to think about it start to either protect some structure around them or if you've got the space dig up pot and put in and that's the same with things like canners canners they're really good at the moment wait a few more weeks until you start thinking about that and then i just reduce the plant by half let the rest of it die da- back a bit do you know i don't even pot them up we put them in trays at Rittle, uh just lined with a sort of uh, sort of membrane type material just stack them all in and we don't do the potting until spring thanks very much tom the gardening hour podcast on bbc essex with ken crowther I just wanted to do this email, because there was an email here, wasn't there? And uh, it was Ruth from Rayleigh who sent all those pictures in, and she wants to know whether they're worth keeping. And the first one we looked at was Aquilegia, wasn't it, Tom? The good old columbine. It's lovely, that plant. And um, it has takes on a little bit of a sort of bronzish, purplish tinge as you get into the winter, and you get these wonderful flowers sort of um, late spring, early summer. So don't get rid of that. The next one was Lissy... Lissy- Lizzie Mackey. It's easy for you to say. Yeah, with, with, it's Lizzie Mackey. Lizzie Mackey. Yellow loose drive. Yellow And again, um, it, it can be invasive a little bit, but you would keep it the shape and area that you want. Yeah, take it out, dig it up, um, lift it up and divide it every two or three years. And move, move it around. And move it around. And then the last one was uh, Symphoricarpus or Snowberry. Now, the Snowberry... Again, can be very invasive, can't it? And it would be better <clears throat> controlled, wouldn't it? Yeah, you need to be cutting that on a fairly uh, regular basis. But take care, um, because it's starting to fruit now. And it looks good. Yeah. So enjoy the fruit for that. And then I come in sort of in the spring months, and then I'll do my harder pruning then. And then you've got the rest of the year for the plant to regenerate and produce its flowers and fruit. There you are. There's some good advice on those that came through on an email. And we're here talking on the phones on 0800 111 And we go to Jackie in Chelmsford. Hello, Jackie. We're back on figs, are we? Uh, yes, we are. Um, I've had one in, in a pot and then I put it in the garden this year. And I know you said about it. It's about two and a quarter feet high. It's got a couple of little um, fruit on it. But I was wondering if I had to actually wrap it up because the leaves fell off last year do they uh, feel like yeah they, it, every year? they will do they'll always lose their leaves in the winter uh it's lovely and hardy you don't have to wrap it up at all all right 
And can I ask another question? Mm. Of course you can, I yeah. Send, I did send you an email with pictures last week about my cacti. Right. Um, they're in pots and they keep leaning over. Oh, you sent an email with a picture of them leaning yeah. over. Yeah, it's... it's The thing is, that... that that <laughs> that cacti <laughs> is inclined to lean over. They often lean towards the light. Um, I, I, t- I turn them round and actually try and get them, but they still tend to, like the leaning tower of Pisa. They are a bit, yes. Uh, Jackie Powell, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I did have a quick look. I don't always get a chance to straight away uh, answer the question, but they are like the lean. Oh, yeah. It's, they it's leaning do, over. Uh, my brother had those, and they were always leaning over, and we used to prop them up with sticks in the evening with a dreadful... Oh, yes, the others aren't. The, the round ones, they're perfectly all right. It's just that one... I don't think you can do much about it, can you? Because no, it, it's not through lack of water. No, or... no, 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 no. I'll t- tell you something. We've got um, a temperate house up at the college. We've got a tropical house, and we've got a temperate house next to it, and we've got a lovely cacti bed, and they are... <laughs> there are a few straight ones in there, but, but the rest are all know. over the place, yeah. So we just we just let them get on with it. So oh, enough. Right. So you're do- I don't Jack- need to repot them or anything. No, Jackie, you're doing nothing wrong. I'd, I'd right. leave well alone. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's Jackie from Chelmsford talking cacti as well as fig trees. <laughs> That's an interesting <laughs> mix of subjects there, wasn't it? Um, and we go to Len from... I, where's Len from? Where are you from, Len? Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Oh, yeah, Hawthorne, down, yeah, down towards Burnham, yeah? That's correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. Morning, Ken, morning. Morning, Tom. then. Yeah, um, I've got two camellias in pots, both yeah. about five foot high, and they seem to be growing these small apples. There's quite yes. a few of them on there. They are. Yes, and they will. It's basically they're producing their fruit, and what you find is um, you get more fruit when the weather conditions are quite extreme. Mm. Right. Now, this year, last year and this year, we've had very dry conditions. And I know you'll say, oh, but I water them all the time. But a plant is... I always think plants actually are pretty amazing because they seem to pick up on what's going on around them. And a plant will try to reproduce. So you actually get more flower, more fruit in extreme conditions, which you're getting more and more of. You've got the fruit. Do you take them off, Tom, or do you leave them on? Um, if it's just one or two, leave them on. But How if... many you got? Well, there must be, uh, on one of them, at least half a dozen, I would think. You could, leave, could... Them on, you could leave them on to ripen and pl- dry growing them if you, you wanted. You could, actually. You end up with, who knows what you'll end up with. Uh, but um, you could also remove them, and that would then channel the energy into the rest of the plant. Yeah. So normally take them off. Yeah, it's a bit yeah, like sort of deadheading. Are they taking too much of the energy? Yeah, to, to some. The they're, they're, some they're robbing some. They're not going to totally. The plant's not going to stop flowering now. Um, so <clears throat> remove them or enjoy them. It doesn't matter. Okay, lovely. Okay. Yep. Thank you very much. That's uh, a pleasure. That's Lem from Althorn, and we now go to Shane in Hockley, and you're Good talking morning, about. Gentlemen. Mandevilles, yes. Mandevilles, bloom bells. Um, the wife bought two a couple yeah. of weeks back. Uh-huh. But she doesn't know what to feed them on. What? Right, I you've got them indoors, the mandeville. They're in a conservatory, but it's a cool conservatory. That's ideal. Mandev- mm-hmm. Mandevilles are not hardy. No. Uh, they're an attractive plant. Um, really, you slow down the feeding now. You wouldn't feed them with much now, would you, Tom? No, you can get some of the uh, drip feeder 
um, sort of devices, and then that'll just seep run out, out and, and run out as and when, and but it you goes. Wouldn't then feed from say. <clears throat> End of October onwards till next spring. No, would you? no, I'd probably start spe- um, feeding around about sort of February March time. So I wouldn't worry about feeding, and then go for a feed that's maybe got maybe some one or more potash based. Uh, so go, go to your good garden centres because they'll have a good range of houseplant feeds, mm. uh, which will probably be liquid based that you might have to dilute, or better still, the sort of uh, drip feeder type uh, devices. You just cut the end, invert the pot, and stick it into the top of the container. Uh, right. And that's quite a straightforward way of doing it, really. But the, the plants are lovely plants. Beautiful. And they're dead poisonous, aren't they? Uh, you've got to be a bit careful with the sap with those, It's only yes. the sap, yeah. though. Right. I, I mean, you know, what's poisonous? Lots of things that we handle are poisonous. But it's just being careful with the sap. And that's that's the thing to think about. All right, Shane? OK. Now, she's given me this Groshaw bottle, Simply Grows More. It's an ericaceous plant food. Would that be any good? Mm. Or have you got the old tomato one? That would tomato be, be that, better. That would be better. Better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but don't, but stop by mid-October. Yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah. Thanks very much indeed for your That's help. Okay. Enjoy those plants. They grow fairly large, don't they? They grow wild, don't they? they Lots do. of tendrils you get from them. Tendrils and tendrils. Now we go to Peter from South End. Hello, Peter. Good morning to you. Roses. Yeah, I've got a problem. Now, they're what? standard roses. We've yep. had them two years, and they were bought for our anniversary. Lovely. Beautiful, beautiful yellow flowers. We had a downpour of rain this year. All the roses went brown. All the leaves have fell off. And now I've got little tiny spikes on both standards. Right, okay, let's start. Are they in containers or are they in the ground? Yeah, they're in containers. Are they in a new container from when you bought it, when you were given it? Yes. Yeah. Right, okay, so they're fine. They're in a container. How large is the container? It's, uh, 18 inches across? Yeah, 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 exactly that, yeah. Right, okay, don't walk about too much because it sounds as like if your phone's breaking up a bit. <laughs> Okay. Sorry? I don't know what you're up to, but we're losing you, I think. Are you there? Are you talking plain? Can you hear us, Peter? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. We can't hear you. Um, I think I think we'll have to come back to you, Peter, because I can't get you very clearly. It's not clear enough for broadcast, I don't think, there. So we'll come back to you, don't we worry. Uh, Tony from Colchester, we're talking about hedges, aren't we, Tony? Oh, yes, thanks, Ken. I was on to you a couple of weeks ago, and you recommended that... Uh, actually, I, what I'm doing is I've been chopping down my 28-year-old uh, fir trees at the front, the ordinary um, conifers, and yep. they've just outgrown themselves. They're 15, 20 feet high, and I can't okay. reach them. Cut them down. I've got logs a foot across. <laughs> um, you, you suggested Western Red Cedar. As an alternative, I've been looking through the books. Uh, would it be okay to use... Um, oh, what the devil's the name of it? I had it here a moment ago, and now I've lost it. <laughs> Is it one of the years? It um, No, it isn't a suit. Oh, I've lost it. It was... Here it is. Um, 
a copper beech or purple beech. You could use beeches. So no, nice, no, use yes, there. no problem at all. Absolutely perfect. Fantastic. <clears throat> Not the most rapid growing. Grow about six inches a year maximum. Six Whoa. inches, seven uh, inches. <sighs> Once they, they get they once, here, growth rate fast growing, expect forty to sixty centimeters per year. They can once they get established. Once they get established, they can do. Yes, there is the, 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 <clears throat> that. There's a. The, they always forget to tell you that. You'll only get about wow. six to nine inches in the first couple of years. And this hedge is going where the old one was. Those old plants were. Ah. It's is yeah, this? Is, I'm, I'm going to try and put them in between because I've got such big roots. What I'm going to do is plant. Grind the roots right down to the ground level and let them rock back, and then I'm going to plant the new plants in between the old stumps. They'll the need old a stump, about a metre apart. You'll so really need to you really need to improve the soil though, because those conifers would have taken a massive amount of nutrition out of the soil, so the soil yes. is not going to be particularly good. So you've really got to work in some good organic matter. So I think your first right. stage is get that soil sorted first. And then you're going to go and buy your your beach, and you're going to buy yeah. your beach bare rooted or container grown. How have you? If you, it's a pot grown, and, and I was going to get the larger pot grown, and they're a couple of pound more, but I thought it'd be worth it because they're yep. sixty to ninety centimeters yep. high That's... instead of forty. That's okay. okay. Everything you're suggesting sounds really good, but you just must make sure you sort the soil out. And you might want to go, the, the nursery or the garden centre might also stock with you a root promoter fungi. It's a mycorrhizal uh, fungi that root might help. Is yeah, it called root grow? Root one grow. I think it's called root grow, yes. Root grow is one of them. Okay. Ah, right. Um, just one quick one, if I may. Um, we've got... Um, a European silver fir at the back, which is about 10 feet high and about six feet across. Is it all right to cut it back a little bit? I don't want it to die back. I just want to cut it back so that it's a bit more level. It's I don't like the, the, the lawn by about four or five feet. I just want to cut it back so it's only a couple of feet over. Everything's possible, but... Be careful. <laughs> be very careful on those. Because you could ruin the shape. Yeah, it's the shape that's going to be have, suffer the, 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 an impact here. Uh, and it's, that's, yeah. a, that's a lovely shape to that tree. So what you, what you... What the, one of the best I methods... just tidy it. It's a bit sort of straggly. At tidy, the it. Tidy, tidy it. Tidy it. We'll let you have a light trim. Yeah, just light <laughs> trim. That's all. That's the best way to do it. Back to calls, texts and emails very shortly. But taste. Take a final look at some of those tips that Tom's got for us this week. Well, I don't know about you, Ken, but my pot's looking very sad. <laughs> starting to look a bit that <laughs> They way. were OK, but they've gone past their best. And this is a good time to start thinking about colour for now through the winter and into early spring. Uh, so there's nothing wrong in revamping your containers, everything. I think it's good. It's very healthy for you. Um, put the key plants you don't want into the beds and borders if you can. Or maybe just revamp what's already there. Take out the odd pocket that hasn't done so well or has faded and start to put in things like, uh, for a bit of colour anyway, things like uh, uh, the winter pansies, which are in full bloom at the moment. You could put in your wallflowers. They'll give you flower much, much, much later on into early spring. Things like stocks as well I quite like to use. And always underplant everything with a good bulb or corm that's in proportion with the 
pot. That would work well, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. So crocus, the dwarf iris, dwarf daffodil, dwarf tulip, all of those work. I, I do like. I think dwarf tulip are very underused. Some of them, especially some of those uh, finer varieties, aren't they? There's, some uh, of the yeah, wild-looking Corf, ones. Well, there's, there are speciosa types. They're a bit taller, but Corfmaniana types are very mm. good. And uh, also things like yeah, Red Riding Hood's oh. quite a nice one as well. That vivid red, uh, great flower. impact. Um, and sort of coming into uh, the season now, once leaves have absolutely fallen, it's a good time to start moving. That plant, you haven't got quite in the right place. Uh, so it's about thinking about where you might want to put your deciduous shrubs. You can really easily move those at the end of the month. Uh, just make sure uh, you take up as much as you possibly can as the root zone. Make sure you've got a pot, your hole prepared. Make sure you put in... Uh, I always do put some organic matter in, but I work it into the... So I don't just put it as a layer. And then don't do any feeding until until the spring. And another one, really, is to look at maybe planting. Planting's a great time, as long as the ground is moist enough. But so towards the end of the month, uh, evergreens would work particularly well. Yeah. Hedging is going to start to come in as well. So there's, I think it's, it's going to be a busy time for us. <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Thank you very much, Tom. Let's look now at some of the events around the county. Now let's kick off with some uh, a couple of gardens. We've got... Uh, Fearingbury Manor, Coggeshall Road, Fearing in Colchester, CO59RB. That's open on Friday the 4th of October and Thursday the 3rd of October, 9 till 4, admission £5. Always plenty to see in this 10-acre garden, a couple of ponds, and the River Blackwater looks... That's where you look across to. It's got a beautiful lawn and many unusual plants. So go along there and have a look. It's got also sculptures by Ben Cood Adams. Well worth going. I've been there. Fearing Bury Manor, near Colchester in Fearing. Green Island, Park Road Ardley is open on Sunday, the 12th of October, 10 till 5. This is all, these, both these gardens are on the National Garden Scheme. Admission 750 to this one, children 250, light refreshments, a garden for all seasons. It's a plantsman's paradise. 20 acres to have a wander around. Can't be bad for that money. So they are Sunday, the 12th of October, 10 till 5. What else have we got going on? Well, the 8th of October, the Morden and Haybridge Horticultural Society, they meet uh, at 745 for their AGM on the 8th. And that's in the United Reformed Church, Market Hill, Morden. On the 9th, the Essex Wildlife Trust, 8 till 10, have an illustrated talk, Friends Meeting House, Butt Lane in Morden. The 9th of October at 2.30, the Colchester uh, National Trust, uh, they have a talk on the history of Dunwich, and that's in Christchurch, Iton Road in Colchester. Oh, I missed the 5th of October, 9am, Alford. Uh, that's Craft and Farmer's Market, free entry, Ford Lane, Alford. And I mustn't forget the Colchester Bonsai Club. They have a meeting on the 7th of October, How to Prune Azaleas, and that's held at the Marks Tay Parish Hall, London Road, Marks Tay, at 7.30. New members and visitors are very welcome. So they are, there's some of the events around the county, and if you want your event mentioned, all you have to do is drop me a line to Ken Crowther, BBC Essex, PO Box 765, Chelmsford, CM29XB, or send it on an email two weeks in advance. That's 
ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. We're going to nip over and talk to Karen now. And she's in Halstead. Karen, what are we talking about today? Well, I was about my fuchsia, my hardy fuchsias that okay. I've got in my front garden. Mm-hmm. And the flowers, they don't come out. They just all shrivel up. Okay. The leaves are fine, but all the flowers just shrivel up. Oh, that is... Uh, is that not the fuchsia... Mite. Might be the mite. Is it... Right, is the... Is the head, did you send me a picture... No. Oh, because I had one the other day. Um, oh. Is it not right? If you look at the f- head of the, say the shoot comes out. Yeah. The top of the shoot is it all sort of turning in on itself? Yes. I think that's fuchsia mite. It is actually. Yeah. I know there's, there's well, not much the you recommend. Can do. There, there are a couple of recommendations, uh, but, but one clear ultra, isn't it? The, is, but it doesn't. It, it's not one hundred percent effective. Uh, some of it, I mean, the other the resort is also about cutting them down yeah, and see. Cut them back. Yeah. No, but you want last year as well. No, hang on. Yes. Ah, oh, well, it sounds like it is, Mike. So what you need to do is you really need to remove that now, but right. don't put it in the garden anywhere. You need to remove, cut them back now, which is a bit out of the ordinary, to get right. rid of all that mite that is in the heads of those fuchsias. And get it away from sight. And all the debris at the base of the plant as well. So really go for hygiene overload and clean the plant. And you can still give it one spray, a couple of sprays. Yeah, that might help. It might help. But it might not clear it. The recommendation by the Royal Horticultural Society is actually dig out and remove because it's something that we can't clear. Oh, my goodness. So that's why I'm saying try. Yeah, so try that one first. Cleanliness. So important, Karen, on cleanliness on that. I just wanted to quickly go to a text because we haven't mentioned uh, poinsettias oh. lately. Um, kept growing since last Christmas. It's now a mass of green leaves. When will it turn red? How does she get it to turn red? Come on, quickly. We need quick, a quick. period of 12 hours of night. Uh, so darkness. Need to start right now. And you do need. So you need to shorten that uh, day. Cover it with a black bag? Put yeah. it in a cupboard? Um, put it in the cupboard, actually, and then bring it out. Uh, so you do that for a number of weeks. Uh, and then at one at some key point in mid-October to late October, you then just put it onto your windowsill because by that point, the flowers have initiated. You won't see the flowers, but the flowers start to initiate. Uh, but we see it as the reddening or the pinking or whitening. Or the leaves. Or those pseudo-leaves, what we call bracts. It's called bracting up. They are Mary. Mary from Stanford. Hope that's helped you. And we go to John from Chelmsford on the phone now. John. Hello, Ken. Hello, Ken. I've brought back a couple of... Um, Small plums from a plant called a Carissa plum from Cyprus. Now, I wonder when is the best time uh, to pluck out the little seeds to try and grow it in this country. Well, if it's a... Right. Has it got a single stone in it? No, it hasn't. There's no stone in it at all. It just... I have broken open one that started to shrivel. And I've just plucked out a couple of the seeds, but the other one is still red, and it's so beginning it's like, to shrivel now. Right, it's like an apple. It's it's one of the apple type plums, you know, like a cross somewhere. Um, yeah. Oh, he hasn't brought anything nasty in with him as well. Uh, well, I mean, the plant had a beautiful white flower, and right. beneath the plant were these little red plums that had dropped okay. off. So. Right, yeah. well, what, what's best to do, Tom, isn't it, is that you let it dry out and then yeah. get the seeds out and just try and grow them. That's so the all seed, you can do. Yeah, and you could sow them into okay. something like a shallow 
pot with, uh, yeah. and I would go for something like a John Innes seed and cutting compost, so a soil-based compost. Uh, yeah. Push the seed into it. Yeah. Fill the rest of the container with grit or gravel yeah. or sand. Patience. Yeah, patience is a is a virtue with this one. Put it maybe near the back of the house, or if you've got a cold frame or an unheated greenhouse, put it in there over the winter period, it. and you might get it germinating in the spring. But you might not. Okay. All right, I'll give that a try. Okay. And uh, it's always it's a worry bringing. <laughs> Do you know, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I'm not knocking John for trying something because we all do it in a way, you don't can't we, Tom? bring plants over. But you're not supposed to keep bringing bits no. back. That's how a lot of our problems have arisen, haven't they, in the yeah. UK? Yeah. Um, got loads of new buds on my roses. None of the three others have. Why is this happening when I'm usually cutting them back at this time of the year, the roses? It's just time of the year. Well, yeah, you know, we don't know, happen. do we? <clears throat> it's a funny, funny old year. <laughs> We Funny don't know. Up. Something might have attacked the growth points. Therefore, yeah. it didn't get to produce its flowers. It's a bit late in the day for some varieties. And some They're varieties keep them. flowering till November. So, well, beyond that, some yeah. will go right up into Christmas. Sort of December, January now. Yeah. So, um, no, en- I, you know, enjoy just, what you. If it's healthy looking, then enjoy. we're fine. Uh, overwintering geraniums. Window box on south facing wall. They survive the winter and flower well this summer. That's David in Chelsea. Well done. Yes, they do. Do you know, a friend of mine used to put his up in his loft, and a loft light <laughs> yes. every year, all about the ladder, onto the, onto the floorboard upstairs, left them. The and they, whole, they were just left there. They'd been dug out the ground. They'd been put into a tray that was lined, weren't planted. Left there, came back, maybe just lost two or three, but actually came back in the spring, potted the whole lot off, cut them quite hard, masses of new growth. See? Amazing Treat what you can mean. do. David, <laughs> thank you very much for that, because uh, t- changing times, changing weather, we have got a lot to enjoy and a lot to worry about. It's a mixture of things with our, our funny old weather. Now let's uh, just think about, we can squeeze another call in, 0800 111 here on the gardening phone-in. Let's talk now to Jackie from Mr. Burkholt. You're talking asters, is that right, oh, Jackie? good morning, gentlemen. Yes, I bought a new lovely little plant around this time last year. I put it in and I thought it had died and then it started producing green on the tips and I thought, oh, it's a... But it's obviously not happy where it is. When's the best time to move it? I think it's too crowded. OK, is it in a lovely, well-lit position with good soil? The soil's good, but I think it's overcrowded by another shrub. So... OK, so if you can't deal with the shrubs, move the plant, but move the plant in the autumn. So I would wait till the end of October, coming into November, then move it. And just a little word of warning about, buy, you know, when you're buying perennials, they're going to need a little bit of time and care for the first seed or two, particularly with the summers we've just been having. It's not uncommon, actually, for some... You put them in, you water it once and think that's going to be great. But in fact, actually, we need to keep on doing a little yeah. bit more watering than mm. usual. We're pretty good with watering, but it's, I know it isn't happy where it is. Also, I've got a couple of dahlias I would like to move. Do those with. at the same time. I would do those at the end of October, November. Or if you've got other things happening at that time, you could even come back in, the, in sort of February, March time and do it. All right. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. That's all right. That's Thank a pleasure. You. That's Jackie, and we got a note from Jane. She's had autumn raspberries. They grew even larger this year than normal, which surprised her. They were oh bent over with loads of fruit. The last few weeks, the fruit have had the white maggots in them. Can she do anything to prevent that? I don't think there's any spray now. Is there for that? 
Uh, not worth doing it now. No, but because is, you're is gonna... there, there is a fruit and <clears throat> there is a fruit and veg spray, isn't there? That you can use in the spring. Uh, yes, you need late to, summer. You need to do it after petal fall, I believe. Uh, but yeah, look for one that there are some hand handheld fruit and veg sprays you can use. Um, but you're gonna you're gonna remove everything. The key thing is clear everything up wrap around from the base in case you get any debris there. It's down to cleanliness again, isn't it? It's all about cleanliness, isn't it? Cleanliness. And yes. she's saying, Oh, is it because they're overcrowded? But that isn't the problem. The maggot is not due to overcrowding. No, it's not overcrowding. No. Not overcrowding at all. They are. We go back to Leslie on the phone. She's from the Island in the Sun, Canvey. And uh, you're talking about thirds, is that right? Yes, I've got two garden ferns, uh, ferns growing in the garden. They've been there about five or six years. Um, Polystichum, Petiferum. It's all I want to know. I need to move one of them. Can I do it now or...? Um, I would wait a little bit longer. If you can wait wait to the end of the month Mm. and do it, that'll be better because it'll have a little bit more moisture around its base. If you were desperate to move it... I'd really water it first and then make sure you've got the planting hole ready for it and move it fairly quickly with as much soil as you possibly can around the root ball. ball. Are they very deep-rooted? No, no, they're not very deep-rooted at all. They'll probably go down around about half a foot or so. Right, and is there any chance I can slice it in half and make two? Yeah, you can do that. If you're going to do that, the best time to do that is around late October going into November. Right, lovely. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure, they are. And um, when should I start feeding houseplants? Um, you know, well, we were saying mid-October-ish. Because it's still, you've got good light still, haven't we? When do the clocks change? Stop when the clocks change. How about that for a well, do you to- like that one? Don't totally stop. <laughs> I've got I have I've got orchids at home and I'm I'm yeah. always feeding them all the way through the all year. the year do you yeah yeah it's just making sure they've got good quality sunlight yeah good moisture but don't overfeed don't overfeed no. that's really important uh, I trimmed down my pink rose which used to smell of candy floss to about a foot she cut it just above the buds but it still died no answer. There's no reason. It might have been old. You can't tell. It's what we said. There is a risk when you prune plants, isn't there? They, these things do happen. They do that. It uh, was 10 years old, but that's not hugely old for a while. No. And then she says, also, this lady, this is Dawn in Tring, she says she moved a broom and that has died. Now, brooms are tricky because... They often die. They do not like being moved, do they? No, they're in the sort of same league as things like Ceanothus uh, yeah. to a certain extent as well, some of the euphorbias. Um, try not to move them is the best thing, but if you have to move them, it's keeping the soil around the root zone as much as you possibly can, so you get less disturbance. So that's quite important. And uh, just last but not least, but I wouldn't know how to answer this at all, I don't know whether anyone else would, but uh, it was a serious question. How do they identify a wild mushroom? Uh, because they don't want to eat any other mushroom. And this actually is from the armchair gardener, but he says it's a serious question. It's not an easy task, is it? No, if you don't know, don't do it. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a Gardening Hour question for us, give us a call 0800 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning between 11 and 12.